News. While your day is winding down, they're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day. From local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard. To listen. And where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Welcome to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus Farrow, 508-996-0500. So uh, just to put a pin on that uh, conversation about the um, the the CPA, repe- the potential CPA repeal for now, the current situation is that ballot question passed 7 to 3. You need eight votes for a veto override. And we talk- Council Avery, who wasn't at that meeting, talked to us the next day, Chris and I, and said... He would not vote to re- to put that ballot question on. So, right now, for that specific ballot question, there is not a veto-proof majority. I said before, I hope that that, that maintains, and I actually hope it's expanded, to really hammer home the point that you can't just whimsically put these major ballot questions because this came out of nowhere. There's no like record opposition on this. There's no, there's no like any public statements from anybody opposing this program. It just appeared on the ballot after uh, some pretty bad, um, you know, some pretty bad PR for the last few months from the city council and the city council president in particular on, you know, the pay raises she proposed. It just kind of came out of nowhere. And so you can't govern that way. That's not, it's, it's harmful to your constituents. So I hope that may, I hope, and, and, I, and I, I, again, I think that people, the, the four counselors at least that voted against it now realize they, they, they voted, already voted against it, realized that in their neighborhoods, there's a lot of investment that's been made with CPA money and they want that investment to continue. And in, in the city, there's been a lot of investment in CPA money and they want that investment to continue. There's people that support the CPA that still voted for that question. It doesn't make any it, it, that, that that to me that doesn't make sense. You know, um, again, I, I've sat on CPA committees. I've sat as I've been an elected official. Um, you really gotta do a risk assessment when you're proposing something like that. And see the consequences. It, and you know, just to 
by the way, I was asking if um, Norm from Cheers was an interior decorator. Uh, it was a question I had. Not bad from Oak Bluffs. I do want to give him credit for following up on this. Norm previously served in the U.S. Coast Guard, though in an earlier episode he stated he had been in the Army. He spent a few years as an independent accountant, eventually becomes a house painter. Okay, so I, I guess I wasn't entirely right on that. He wasn't an interior decorator. I was more of a Frasier guy myself. I think Frasier's the greatest spinoff show of all time. So, um, anyway, 508-996-0500 is how you can get on the program this evening. We'll also take your messages on the WBSM app. But, you know, I was thinking about this, like, just philosophically, right, in these non-binding ballot questions. And I, like... I see for Council Burgo's point, I, I, I understand it and I, 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 and I appreciate a lot of the issues that Council Burgo's raised on the front of housing. And I like the home group and, you know, with Carl Alves, they do a lot of great work and they're having people from HUD come down. He's done a, he's done a lot of good work on housing and now he's working on accessory dwe uh, dwelling units. And I, I, and I understand and appreciate wanting to start that conversation saying, like this rent control question has absolutely started a conversation here, right? Not just state here, but statewide, you know? This has been picked up by statewide news outlets, this proposal by Council Burgo. But it's, it's definitely supercharged the conversation locally in the South Coast. So it's hard to say that it's, you know, a waste of time or could be doing something else, but I do think I think that if you believe in something, you're an elected official, you believe in something strongly, you have to, like there's something to be said about listening to your constituents and responding, right? But if you, 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 your constituents also elect you not, not to just pass policies that they like, but to do the research and to be well-studied and to know the issues and to come to a solution based on the knowledge that you have. You're probably elected because you have that knowledge already. And so I do understand and appreciate using your position and trying to propose a question that will move the needle at least move the conversation forward. But I do think there's something to be said about if you want something done and you're in a position of power, do it. Start filing the bills. And I think with respect to the CPA, because again, I think these, you know, the concern would be the phrasing of the question, right? Not just the phrasing of the question, but, you know, the phrasing of the question, whether or not some elected officials will mislead people on what the CPA does. But just because all, <laughs> the majority of your constituents, they say, hey, you should do this. You should repeal the CPA does not mean you have to do it either. Right. If you believe in something and you know something works, I think. You stand on your principles, right? You stand on your principles and say, hey, I think this is going to work. I'm going to try it. 
there's obviously time and space for listening to constituents and doing the work that they ask you to do. And I think in a lot of areas, but when you come down, when it comes down to the complex policy solutions, right, to problems, you are relied upon to know more than your constituents do about policy. And so if you believe in something strong enough, if you believe in something strongly enough, what's the point of doing a poll? If you really feel as though this is the strongest solution, this is the best way forward, what's the point of a poll question? And if you really feel strongly that this particular program helps people, Helps a lot of people. Helps your constituents. What's the point of a poll question? To see whether or not you should keep it. You know it helps. Right? You know it helps people. You know that millions of dollars gets invested in your community that otherwise would not get invested. If this program didn't exist. So what's the point of a poll question? You have the knowledge. You're elected because you have the knowledge. And you get paid to, learn, to, to, to obtain that knowledge. So what's the point? I think you, in certain, certain circumstances, of course, listening to your constituents is important. But you have to take a principled stand. And the reason I bring that up is that if you're against the CPA being repealed, don't vote for that ballot question. Don't, don't risk that program by giving the opposition any validity, by allowing them to enter the public forum. Based on things that you know that you know fundamentally aren't true. It doesn't make any sense. 508-996-0500 is how you can get in the program this evening. We'll also take your messages on the WBSM app. So that's kind of like, I mean, if you have any questions or comments on it anymore, we'll, we'll definitely hear from you. But that's sort of how I feel in the situation. By the way, just coming up this week, Lieutenant Governor Kim Driscoll is going to be joining uh, Chris and I on Thursday, 8 o'clock. I'm really excited to talk to her. Um, this will be the first time she's been on the program as the Lieutenant Governor. She has been on the program as obviously the uh, candidate for Lieutenant Governor in the primary and the Democratic nominee for Lieutenant Governor. And so I'm really looking forward to hearing about the work that the, the administration is doing in housing and asking her how she's going to help, you know, how her and Governor Healy are going to help this community down here in the South Coast find solutions to the housing woes that are leading us to these conversations. Now, one of the things I know that they are working on is creating a cabinet level department, a housing secretary um, in their budget. They, I think they do want to add to the HDIP funding which we talked about earlier with Paul, uh, with, um, with, uh, with, Paul Shea, uh, with Paul Chase. So we're going to ask her about that. We're going to ask her about some other things. Um, and so I'm really, again, I'm really looking forward 
to that conversation because it's not just a local issue. It is a statewide issue. You know, that's why we're seeing in Boston the rent control bill or rent stabilization home rule petition that is before the state house now. And again, just to clarify, if New Bedford were to move forward or any community around here, Fall River, Fairhaven even, were to move forward with a rent stabilization or rent control ballot, rent control law, they would need to go through the home rule petition process. So it would need to be passed by both, it would need to be passed by the legislative body, which would, you know, either be the town meeting or, you know, it would be town meeting or a city council. It would need to be signed by the executive branch, which would be select board or mayor. And then it would have to go to the state house and it would have to be voted on there. It would have to pass both chambers of the state house, the Senate and the house and be signed by the governor. So that's the situation. The Boston uh, home rule petition is, uh, uh, is, is handling right now. They have passed. They passed the council with an 11 to two vote. By the way, crazy to me that, 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 Boston only has 13 city councilors in a, in a city that's got 700,000 people. But anyway, uh, an 11 to 2 vote went to Michelle Wu's desk. She signed it. It's now before the state house. It is my understanding, just based on what's been reported, that it's going to be a bit of a heavy lift. And by a bit of a heavy lift, I mean, it seems unlikely that it's going to pass the state house. Um, and this is for, I think... The last time, and this was three years ago, so the conver- I think there's probably been a little bit more positive momentum in the direction towards supporting rent control than the opposition. But the last time rent control was on the ballot was, oh, what was it? Uh, last time rent control was on the ballot was, I mean, was uh, was uh, voted on in the state house was 2020 during the pandemic, the height of the pandemic, and 23, I think, reps voted in favor of it. So it's going to be a bit of a heavy lift. I think there's probably been some more momentum towards a rent control, you know, uh, proposal, but I don't know. If, I'm unsure if leadership is going to move on it. And I'm unsure if there is even a majority of state reps or state senators that would vote to pass that ballot question, especially knowing knowing the the impact it would have statewide, right? Knowing the impact it would have statewide. So if the Boston home rule petition dies, it's going to be difficult to... I think, you know, I think it will be difficult. I think that's the real barometer, right? Is if the Boston home rule petition dies, it's going to be really difficult to justify moving forward in a city like New Bedford or Fall River or anywhere um, because that's where all the momentum would be in Boston. If Boston passes it, then I think it's a domino effect. You know, then I think everybody, I think you're going to see a lot of cities start passing rent control. But this ultimately has to be done at a state level. I think if you're going to do this, I think it's a state level solution. 508-996-0500. I'm going to take a break. 
Welcome back to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus. 508-996-0500 is how you can get in the program. I mean, we've been just talking over the last few days about the rent stabilization ballot question that was proposed by Councillor Burgo and, and, and some of the, you know, just the conversation on it more broadly. But, the you know, one of the reasons this came up is because it's something that's been, dis- I mean, it's something that's been implemented in states and cities. Uh, Oregon, I think, is one of the more recent communities to adopt rent stabilization, um, uh, to adopt their rent. Uh, Oregon's one of the most recent states to adopt uh, rent stabilization. Um, but the reason it's it's being, the reason it's being, one of the reasons it's being discussed here is because you know, they is because you know in, in Boston, uh, Mayor Wu proposed um, a rent control, rent stabilization. You know, the thing is, is that rent control is an easier thing to say. Um, so <laughs> it's just it's fewer syllables, but um, basically. You know what Mayor Wu said. It's it, it, her proposal is it's going to be end up being a, a, a seven or eight percent cap on rent increases. Uh, and she said most landlords across the city, and this has been what's said here, most landlords across the city are decent human beings taking care of their tenants, and who know that it's their financial interest to have stable tenants. But she also said, um, you know. <laughs> She also said there are some that are, and I think she's referring more to the big, more institutional landlords that are not, um, that are not, uh, you know, in that category. And so one of the things, you know, she was saying is that right now, I, I you know, I, I think that there's also, I think tenements are excluded in this. And I believe there is um, a market reset. And I think most rent control and rent stabilization have market reset. Um, So when that place becomes unoccupied, you reset the rent at whatever market, you know, whatever the market price is, and then you go from there. So you're not affixed to that. Like when it's reopened, you can raise that rent to wherever you want it, you know, within the market. And then the rent stabilization would kick in once the tenant's there. 508-996-0500. 508-996-0500. Let's go to the phones. Good evening. Marcus. What's up? I've heard, I, I think you may have hit on something, but I want to ask you first of all, you're a liberal, okay? I, I, am I correct in assuming that? Yeah. Okay. Um, how do you feel? What, what are your thoughts on Rico? Are you for it or against it? Or stabilization, whatever we want to call it. I, I definitely think it's a policy worth exploring, to be honest with you. Um, I, you know, the thing is, uh, obviously, it can't be done in lieu of in lieu of other solutions. There still needs to be an improvement on housing stock and all that. But you know, it's I think it's fair to say in New Bedford and other cities across the Commonwealth that there are large institutional uh, landlords that are jacking up rents to oh, no the question. tune of 100%. And, 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 and those and that, are the ones you're going to be more you know more worried about than than the mom and pop guy that owns a you know a couple of properties or something like that. I yeah. think the mom and pop guy. Uh, just my feeling uh, might have more heart than all greed. You know, greed is good. 
Yeah, <laughs> as they said in Wall Street, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, you know, I think that. But I think you may have hit on something else too, when you said that they're going to Mayor Wu's bringing this up to, uh, you know, the state house. Uh, now, uh, I don't know how they're going to handle this, but I, I think the state is going to tell you how this is going to be handled. Uh, Mara Healy's a liberal. Uh, she went down to the border and, you know, give out maps, as they say, to uh, how to get to Massachusetts. So once you got these people here and they're competing with the people that are already here for, for housing, uh, you got to come up with a plan, and maybe uh, Mafi uh, Mara Healy has a plan. Maybe she and, does. And and again, I think the plan might go along with what uh, Wu was saying a while back that the, the the problems that she had with mass cast and everything is a regional problem. Maybe from regional, we're going to go to statewide, and uh, it'll be a statewide problem. And as uh, uh, Barry Sylvia, I believe, was on before pointed out, we do have a lot of mills down here, and Maybe the mayor will have this shoved down his throat, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, the thing is, is that... And um, I don't think he wants that, you know? Yeah, and I, I just think, I think immigrants are like a soft target for, for, for this. Uh, I mean, okay, all the, right, the, the, that's, that's the, fine. If the stock is bad, the stock is bad. They've been, in, they, you know, when, so, so when the, Paul Chase was at, you know, he, he, said, he said, we've been advocating for this for, yeah. you know, 10 years. He didn't say, well, because we've got an influx of people Pouring so over Barry, the border. So you pointed out to you, there is stock down here if you turn some of these large factories into, uh, you know, living quarters. Obviously, mm -hmm. they did that with Cliftex. Oh, Cliftex is a has become a living quarter. You know what? You know what I'm talking about, Cliftex. Don't yes. You? Yeah. Okay. All right. So that that's that's a place. Mm -hmm. uh, I know there was some talk too about the Chamberlain Building and where it's got close proximity to the. Uh, to the new uh, railroad coming down here, yeah. that might be a place as well. So I got a feeling that even though the mayor might look forward to gentrifying <laughs> New Bedford, um, maybe uh, Mayor Wu's problem being a regional problem might become more than that and be a state problem. And, hey, New Bedford's got these uh, old factories, a hundred of them. Uh, let's give some developer money and incentive to take all those people there and uh, set them down to the end of the line here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, that I, you know, I think Healy's come out against um, rent, uh, rent control or stabilization, let's say limitations on rising rent, right. Um, uh, as a statewide policy solution, but said that municipalities um, can decide if they want. Now, Here's my thing with that. I think that's a pretty, <laughs> I think that's a pretty easy way to kick the can to the legislature, right? Oh yeah. You know, and just to say, well, it's not going to, it's not, it's, it may never reach your desk, right? So, mm -hmm. so it's to say, oh, well, you miss you, 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 you municipalities, you cities like New Bedford and Fall River and wherever you can, you can, you can write your little home rule petitions and they can go to the state house and then they can just die there. And well, so then she can say, well, well, they can do what they want, mm -hmm. but then the state house doesn't have to take any action on it. And, you know, she could say, oh, well, I'm, I'm for it if they're for it. You know, I, I think that's well, an easy out for her. Well, she's established a housing department too, hasn't she? Uh, well, she's working on that. And again, we, yeah. we've got Kim Driscoll on. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking yeah. forward to that, talking with her. To see what the other thing I want to point out to you too, though, they told Middleborough too that they were supposed to put some housing near the uh, train. 
okay? Yeah. And Middleborough doesn't want to do that. Yeah, so there's that MBTA housing law that says you've basically, you've got to let your zoning, because Paul, Paul Chase talked about this earlier, you've got to let your zoning, uh, you've got to make uh, zoning around these MBTA stations, mm-hmm. you've got to make them less restrictive. Yeah. So you yeah. have to foster, basically foster an environment for growth in yeah. MBTA housing. Yeah, and but, again, to put it all off on the ta- on the cities, no, uh, maybe Middleborough, there'll be some pressure you know, to uh, do what they've said about, you know, the MTA and having some, uh, you know, housing around the, uh, the the rail, you know. I, I mean, listen, I, I, I agree. I, I think actually that communities, that non-New Bedford, Fall River communities, Taunton communities have to really pull, I think have to pull their weight for, in terms of getting housing, um, getting more housing options available and not just senior housing. Like yeah, Fairhaven, it, like you, you said, you, I think you've brought it up yes, before. Fairhaven's got all this new housing stock, but it's all senior housing. Like yes, we have to is. have, yeah, we have to have housing for that's, and it's great to help um, seniors find, uh, find a housing that they oh, can afford yeah, and they can live in. Obviously, But we gotta, we also gotta think beyond that as well. Well, yeah, because you've got seniors competing with, uh, you know, the poorer, competing with uh, the new immigrants that have come over. Uh, so there's a lot of competition here. And I, and I think uh, you, you might see an attempt by uh, Governor Healy to, uh, you know, help, uh, Michelle Wu and 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 get make it a regional and a statewide problem. Maybe uh, uh, cities and towns will be told you're going to have to create so much housing here. We do have a lot of money, mm-hmm. and so we uh, get some developers and. Uh, well, that's what will be interesting to see because one of the proposals I know that they're working on um, uh, is is improving the um, is adding more to that H dip uh, uh, funding to mm-hmm. to try to incentivize more mm-hmm. development. Mm-hmm. So and mm-hmm. and. And it's 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 one of the main points that they're they're bringing up, and yeah. so and I think there's stuff in the budget too. If you know, it's a fifty-two billion dollar budget. So, yeah. oh yeah. Um. So I'm I'm excited to hear from Lieutenant Governor Driscoll about, uh, about yeah, everything we're talking interesting about program. It certainly yeah. will. But I, I, you know, to tell you the truth, in my lifetime, I'm an older person. I never ever thought this would ever happen in our country, and or in our state that we'd have a problem with with getting people housing and yeah. stuff. Uh, you know, oh, yeah. I, I, I it, it, it really baffles me, uh, you know, that it, that it's come to this. And uh, I, I think one of the things you've got to guard against is the corporate uh, people that are buying up housing and pushing up the rates uh, just because of greed. As yeah. they said in Wall Street, greed is good. Well, maybe right. it's not good. I don't think you believe it's good, uh, Marcus. You know? Gordon Gecko went to jail yeah, at the end of that yeah. movie, right? Yeah, I know, I know. But that was just a movie. This yeah, is, that's why it's just a movie, because he actually went to jail. Yeah, yeah. This, is, this is real life, yeah, yeah. actually. But again, uh, it, it is a conundrum. It is a problem. Yeah. And I got a funny feeling that when it gets up to Boston with the Wu petition, I, I have a feeling that Maura Healy will in some way try to tackle this it, it's a Herculean task that she's undertaken, but you can't tell people. I, I, I don't. I, I think it's. I think she just hot potatoed it, but we'll see if she evolves on the issue. Well, again, you can't tell people from the border to come up up here to Massachusetts, and we get all the programs and all the the nonprofits to help you, and then you know, <laughs> you, you offer them nothing, you know, uh, and put them in competition with the elderly and the people that are already here for the the housing we have left. Uh, Again, I think your friend Barry Seward brings out a good point. We do have a lot of uh, old factories here, and Cliff Dex has been turned over. And even some of our older schools, uh, I don't think we got a hundred of them, but uh, so, you know that that's been done too down at South End, I believe, with the Donaghy School. Mm-hmm. That was the Donaghy School off River Street there years ago. 
Yeah. That, that's been converted a while back. So, there, you know, there are people that know how to do this and have been successful doing it. And I believe the old, uh, oh, where Kenyon Campbell used to be, I think that was a, uh, a Catholic school at one time. That's been converted to housing, too. Okay. Right. Am, I, am I correct? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, a uh, holy fan, uh, holy holy name has been converted well, to housing. Linden Street, yeah, on Linden yeah. Street, yeah, Linden, okay, Linden Pizza. That that place there I used to be Kenyon Campbell Business School years ago. I believe originally it was a a, a Catholic school there. Right. So that yeah, it's been done, and you know, it's not that it hasn't been done, you know, uh, but sure. uh, I, again, I see more project living, if you want to call it that. After all, I guess we did do it after World War II when all the vets came home. Yeah. That, that's why you've got uh, Bay Village, and that's why you've got Presidential Heights, and that's why you've got uh, Blue Meadows and, and the South End. So it has been done, you yeah. know. And people lived there, and I know in my lifetime moved out of there and got homes and and and, and the cities and towns around the area and progressed, yeah. you know, out of out of the project. Well, that's so, the, that's the thing again. It's why Fairhaven, Dartmouth, Freetown, et cetera, has to work on this issue as well. Well. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I get it. It, 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 it. It's interesting. I know it. It is interesting, but uh, and uh, I probably won't live to see how it how it works out. But uh, you know, uh, um, what, what can I say? Again, I, <laughs> this is going to be your problem, uh, Marcus. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the call. I okay, appreciate my it. Take care. Yep. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. Good evening. Hey, how you doing, Marcus? Good. Um. Yeah, the, the last caller just kind of pointed out something about Wall Street. Um, what people don't realize, last year, one out of seven homes in the United States of America was bought by Wall Street. Right. One out of seven homes. And they predict by 2030, 40% of the housing stock will be owned by Wall Street. And they're not out there flipping. They're holding. Yep. And if they're going to control the supply... <laughs> Yeah. You know what I'm saying? There goes the prices. I mean, they're going to control the market. Uh, so that's the number one thing that people don't even realize what's happening right under there. You know, ever since the the, the financial crisis, I mean, these this Bank of America, you know, they had countrywide loans. They they had thousands and thousands and thousands of homes that were foreclosed on were just sitting there empty because yeah. they didn't want to flood the market with too many homes. So they just put in holding off, holding off, and, the, you know, the market goes up. They're just making money just sitting there. But now these big investment guys come in there and they just buy blocks of, hey, you know, today we're going to buy $2 billion worth of, of, of real estate today. You know, and they just buy these big blocks and they're controlling the market, you know. And we might not see it too much locally, um, but, I, I, you know, it's happening. So, I mean, and these people, again, displaced all over the place. So, yeah. you know. It, I, I think everybody always singles stuff. out uh, uh, BlackRock, right, as one of right. the. BlackRock, exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's the, you know, the Innovation Homes is another one. Right. Um, but, yeah, BlackRock is, is, is one of the top ones. I think they have, like, 100,000 homes under their, yeah. under, under their wing. But, you know, locally, though, you know, I'm in the business. And what I see is this city just needs to be a little bit pro-business. Um, sure. You know, it's sad to say, because I love the city. I was born here. I, I, I raised my family here. I decided to invest here. I could have easily just walked off and gone somewhere else. But I decided to stay because I love the city. And sure. I've just seen a total decline of... I don't even know. It's not even so much pride, but it's like 
I think I there's know. definitely it, been it, like it, a lot of increased like pessimism around like yeah, New Bedford. It, yeah, it, it, it's sad. It's sad. And you know, I go to City Hall a lot. I see the average person walk in, go to the building department, or go to you know different departments, ZBA or whatever, planning but planning department, and I see the stress in their face. Yeah, and I see the confusion in their face, and they're scared, and they get fines, and you know, it's sad. It you know, city hall shouldn't be there. You know, people unfortunately, some people in city hall take it as us against them, and it shouldn't right. be there. Yeah, yeah, you work for the people, right? And you should be there to help people along to solve their problems. You know, and, and not be a hindrance, and be and to be helpful. You know, there's laws to be abide to, and, and you know, and everybody should be no favors and, and none of that. But you know, there's plenty of opportunities to, to help people, and I just don't see it. So you think, like, unfortunately, uh, well, unfortunately, you know what it is? Everybody's looking over their shoulders nowadays. Yeah, everybody's afraid to lose their job doing the wrong thing, yeah. so they don't want to go above and beyond. And right. that's you know, that's not the new Bedford I knew. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's not the new Bedford I grew up in. And it, it, it's just sad, and I don't see I don't see it changing. I, I just don't see it changing because everybody is afraid, it, you know. And I have people in the trades. Just recently, I, I had to get engineers to come do some work here. I had three engineers, not one, not two, three engineers that refused to work in the city of New Bedford. Three? Wow. Three. Three engineers <laughs> that refused to work in the city of New Bedford. It's terrible. And in. And, 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 and I can guarantee you, there's a lot of people listening to me, listen to this conversation. I, I, they say only three. Yeah, <laughs> right. I, I can guarantee you, there's a lot of people in the building trades and, and, and whatever. They do not want to work in the city, right. and it's sad. I mean, why? Yeah. Why is that? Why? And I repeated myself. You know, I talked to you yesterday. I mean, why is it you go to Fall River? You go to Fall River, and all you see is construction you got you got uh downtown buildings being converted and this and that why yeah you go route 79 now is going to be no more route 79 in about four years five years all you're going to see are apartment complexes on on the on the i don't even know the the right side of 79 as you're going into somerset and, and, and you know by the t station there that's yeah. all you're going to see are apartment there's like about four to five apartment complexes in the works i saw a brand new one fairly recently Right, yeah, uh, looked and, really you know, nice. You got Tony Cadero, which is the owns insurance company out there. I've known him for for many years. Him and his partners are just gobbling up these 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 little buildings downtown and all over the place, and they just convert them into apartments. Right. But you know, they convert them because they can do it fast. They, you know, development needs to get done in a timely fashion. You can't be holding off on these things for months and months, if not years, to get, try to get approved. Right. It just doesn't make sense. You know, prices go up. You got bank commitments and and this and that. And it just seems, unfortunately, you know, the the city of New Bedford, there's certain individuals that don't get that. Right. I don't know if it's control or if that doesn't meet their vision. That's that's for them to to to, to debate, not me. But I, it's just sad. It's just sad what's going on. I see people hurting every day. I feel for these people. I, I mean, using my people, like, I can say to my people because, you know, <laughs> I, I rent to these people and I see the struggle, you know, and, and whatever. So I don't know. Uh, that's just my two cents. But I appreciate it. You know, all right. Well, well, I think you know. Before I let you go, um, yeah. what you're saying is basically like 
uh, obviously zoning changes, but the permitting process right now is too complicated. Very, very difficult, unfortunately. Yeah. But again, it's not one individual. It's not whatever. It's just the whole process. You know, everybody, you, all, you know, the city, you know, certain city officials might come on. Yeah, we're going to expedite permit process. Yeah. Jesus, if they, if that's, if this is what they call expedite, I want you <laughs> to go tomorrow and get an application to convert a storefront into an apartment or, or something. I, <laughs> you need, you need to go to Harvard to, to fill out that paperwork. Yeah. You basically got to write a thesis on every possibility <laughs> of what you're going to do to that neighborhood. And, and it's not just like, Hey, show me some plans. What, you know, talk about it, this and that. I mean, literally it's like a, a 20 page report of all this different stuff that you have to do. And, you know, and it's just for the average person, they're like, well, it's not worth it. It's like, yeah. what the hell is this? <laughs> right. You know, it, it just, it, it just, it's very difficult to do stuff. And I don't, I don't know. I, I just don't see it getting better. I, I really don't see it getting better. Well, um, all I can say is, you know, I hope it does. I mean, the thing I, is, I, I, me too, me too. Because I mean, I'm I, like, again, I'm in this business. There's plenty for everybody. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And, and I, I, who wants to see people struggle? When people yeah. are happy, you know, it, it just makes life better for everybody. And, yeah. and to see people miserable all the time because they, they don't, you know, they, you know, I have, I have people coming up to me and they're like, John, I can't pay my rent this month and, and this and that. And I'm like, all right, let's, you know, let's work it out and this and that. Hey. Can you um? Can, hey, can can you give me a call? I I, I gotta I gotta take this. I got these yeah, two yeah, breaks. Right, I gotta take. Right. So you can give me. A, uh, please call back like in the future. I I do appreciate it. Thank you. No problem. Bye. All right, yeah, I got a couple of commercial breaks. I gotta take. Fourteen twenty WBSM, where freedom of speech lives. Have your voice heard right now on South Coast tonight. Call 508-996-0500 or send an app chat message on the WBSM app. Now, back to Chris and Marcus. Welcome back. I mean, it's something I've heard quite a bit, uh, honestly, that the, that the, and I think it's true, you know, that the, the, the process has to be a bit more developer friendly um, in New Bedford. I think in Fairhaven, too, I've gotten calls on that as well. Gotten calls on that as well. It's, it's, it's the building department uh, is in a difficult situation right now. So... Yeah, that all does inhibit the, you know, development of necessary, you know, inhibit necessary developments that would ameliorate this housing situation for sure. All right, I got to take another break. 508-996-0500 is how you can get on the program. Um, and we'll stick your app chat messages. Thanks. Welcome back to the show. I'm Marcus. 508-996-0500 is how you can join us this evening if you want to make any closing comments. Um, on, you know, all of that we're talking about. Um, again, tomorrow, you're going to want to tune in, uh, especially if you're in the 7 o'clock hour, we've got Lynn Turner. She's a candidate for school committee in Dartmouth. Obviously, that was a big issue that we followed last year, and it's, I think, uh, sort of made a little bit of a comeback, is the Dartmouth Indian dis uh, discussion, uh, whether or not they keep the Indian mascot, and that was, you know, a lot of that was the, the sounding board of, of that issue was on the school committee. So um, it's an issue that we're following, and I know there's a lot of people out there in the audience from Dartmouth that want to know more about their candidates for office, and uh, we'll do that with Dartmouth and Fairhaven, whomever wants to join us, because the town and Town elections are important. Obviously, we're following the city elections and our state elections as well. So um, we're going to continue all that conversation uh, in the in 
the in the coming weeks. So um, 508-996-0500. And uh, we'll also take your messages on the WBSM app chat. We're working on some other guests. But again, Lieutenant Governor will be on Thursday. So Thursday at 8, you'll want to catch that for sure. You'll want to catch uh, Lieutenant Governor Driscoll. She's going to talk specifically about housing. We're talking about housing and how the Healy administration is going to, um, you know, going to help communities like the South Coast on issues like housing, what they're going to do to improve the housing stock and affordability here and everywhere to make it a little bit more tenable. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for calling in. And uh, I will see you with Chris McCarthy tomorrow. So that's that's all I got for tonight. Thanks to Paul Chase for coming in. Thanks to everybody who called in. Thanks to everybody.